Welcome to High Lawn Baptist Church in St. Albans, West Virginia, where our mission is to know Christ and to make Christ known. We pray that you are blessed by the sharing of God's truth for us this day. For more information, visit us online at highlawnbaptistchurch.org. Please go ahead and take out your copy of God's Word and join me in the Gospel according to St. Luke. The Gospel according to Luke. Now, if you've been joining us regularly for these messages, you're going to notice that we're skipping a bit from the previous Sunday. Luke 24, and we're going to start with verse 13. We're taking a seven-mile Bible study. Once you get there, say amen. Verse 13, now in that same day, Two of them, meaning two of the disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. I want you to, to kind of notice that they were kept. Not that they flat out didn't recognize it, but that the Holy Spirit was trying to make a point. The Spirit of God recognized that there, was, that there were questions in the hearts of these men that only Christ could answer in only such a way as this. Verse 17, He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still with their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleophas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? That's, that's the... the uh, Polite way of saying, have you been living under a rock for the past week? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we'd hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. The horrors of the crucifixion were so intense on these believers. And I have to stress that they were believers. These were disciples of Christ. These were people that had journeyed with Him all the way from being uh, called up from the fishing nets of the Sea of Galilee all the way down through His, uh, his uh, ministry along the banks of the Galilee, all the way down through Samaria, all the way down the banks of the River Jordan to Jerusalem seeing the miracles, seeing the signs and wonders, seeing lepers be made whole, seeing people who were paralyzed suddenly be able to walk, to leap for joy, things that, not, things that defied imagination, save for one thing, the love of God. And yet having seen and witnessed all those miracles, having lived in His presence for three years and heard His teaching in all that time, the horrors of the crucifixion were so intense that their hearts were emptied of all that hope. And this is what they're pouring out to someone that they're perceiving as a stranger during this seven-mile hike. We had hoped that He was going to be the one to redeem all of Israel. Notice that they, they claimed that they hoped that they were the Messiah, but in their conversation they'd actually downgraded Him to a prophet 
What's more, it's the third day. So they recognized, they remembered his speech. But even as they're remembering it, the doubt raised heavy on their hearts. Going on. 22, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. It takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. The Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. So all seven miles... That the Savior, while hidden from their sight, is walking in their midst. He starts with the book of Genesis. And all the way through the book of Malachi, he explains to them who he was. The ministry, the death, the burial, the resurrection, all of it. The New Testament literally being concealed in the old. This was the gospel that Jesus himself used. Now in their midst. And he's explaining the scriptures to them. Verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as they were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Now, if you're in a household, a Jewish household, if you have that honor, um, it is not you who will be asking the blessing. It's usually the person that owns the home. So this is, this is entirely irregular. See, Jesus is never not in command of the situation. Even before his crucifixion, when he was being arrested, who was it that called their attention to who Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Who is it that you are seeking? It wasn't, it wasn't the kiss of the betrayer. Jesus himself volunteered the information knowing that it must be done. Jesus is always in control. And here he is ministering to those in whose home he has been welcomed as a guest. And he is the one who raises the bread, who shows them the only things that are man-made that will ever be in heaven. And those are what? The scars on his hand. And in the breaking of bread and the declaring of that most sacred of blessings. Verse 31 tells us that their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Again, may God add his blessing to our reading today. They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those with them assembled together saying, it is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized with them when he broke the bread. Our Savior lives. Our Savior lives. 
He died as a sacrifice for us to justify us before God. He rose to give evidence of the resurrection that He is the first fruits for the grave. And we know as we are gathered here that there are empty seats where beloved ones of, of this church and of our families have gone on before us. But we also know the words of Jesus when He said, I go and prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. In my Father's house there are many mansions. Were it not so, I would have told you. But there where I am, there may you also be. The empty tomb was the first of many. Those whose seats are now empty will be filled again. When we go home and we celebrate Easter and we see the empty chair, the place of honor in many of our families where our loved ones once sat, we have to know that on today we remember that one day that chair will be filled and that void in our, our existence will not be there anymore because they will be with us. The dead in Christ shall rise. Here's part of that seven-mile Bible study that Jesus gave to them as evidence of what was going on. This is from Jesus' own ancestor, David. King of Israel, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With Him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Listen to these words. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You will make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with your eternal pleasures at your right hand. Who is he talking about? Who is he singing about? You will not let your loved ones see decay. He will enjoy pleasures eternal at your right hand. Who is he talking about? Let's go on. In Isaiah 25, the prophet writes, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich foods for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain He will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The curse that came about because of the first sin, the dread that has been on every heart of every person who has ever lived, the thing that overshadows the joy of nations will be destroyed. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from their faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from the earth. The Lord has spoken. If you're a Christian, say amen. For you have heard those words before, just in a different book. On that day, he will say, surely this is our God, for we trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Since the time of the first couple, death has been the enemy. For the wages of sin is, is death. That's the qualification. But here's the trick. He who knew no sin became sin for us in the eyes of God, that we thereby in the eyes of God might be seen as His righteousness. 
So just as he was sinless, once he was crucified, once the sacrifice was given, once he had descended into death, death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him, for he had no sin to receive the curse. And just as he had no sin, your sin has been forgiven. His blood has been applied to your account. So when you stand before your creator, when you stand before the judge of all who is holy, when he sees you, he does not see the brokenness of the law. He does not see the stain of sin. For with the blood of Christ, you have been washed clean. So just as he could not be contained by the grave, nor shall you be. That's enough to make any Baptist shout. Amen. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. Underline this in your copy of God's Word. If not, at least highlight or put it in the flyleaf of your Bible. Write it down somewhere. How many of you have ever seen this verse before? He will, after two days, he will revive us, but on the what? On the third day. He will restore us. How many of you knew that the resurrection was in the Old Testament? On the third day, He will restore us that we may live in His presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge Him. As surely as the sun rises, He will appear. He will come, come to us like the winter rains, like spring rains that water the earth. This was the pattern established by a song of the prophet. It had its immediate connotation that the people of Israel would return from bondage. But in its fourth shadowing, fourth telling, foretelling, excuse me, he was also describing an amazing event later on. The fact that because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone, as the old song tells us. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living, what? Because he lives. Why, oh why, are so many Christians living today in a downcast state? Why, oh why? Do many of us look at the condition of this world and simply slink back and do nothing and say nothing? Why do we allow the worries of the present to harbor in on our hearts when we have such a vibrant hope in the future? For the joy of the Lord is our strength. So rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice the verse that started the Baptist faith. Rejoice and be glad. For on this day of days, we come to celebrate the fact that our Redeemer lives. And that because He lives also, the enemy has no power over us. Sin has no power over you. Now we've talked about the regeneration process. We've talked about the fact that with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, your nature is changed and you are no longer made in the image of this world, but you are transformed into the image of Christ. And we are ever being remodeled after Him. We are ever being sculpted and changed. We call that process sanctification. 
But because of the Holy Spirit's living presence within you, sealed into the day of redemption, sin is no longer the ruler in our heart. It becomes the exception. We may be saints that sometimes sin, but we are still saints. Here's the victory that that describes. According to the Apostle John, the one that ran to the tomb, everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves His child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out His commandments. That's the new nature. Not to work to be saved, but out of rejoicing and thanksgiving because what? We are saved. In fact, this is love for God to keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world. If you don't have that highlighter underlined in your copy of God's Word, take time to do it right now. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. The three great enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, all three of them a victory has been won and purchased for you. And this is the promise in the Word of God, that you are an overcomer if you have faith. Faith is the victory, as the old song tells us. Faith is your guarantee that the shackles of sin will no longer bind you. That the enemy who has blinded so many to their spiritual condition and their torment that is awaiting them, that has been wiped away from your eyes. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that He has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the victory bought for you. All you have to do is receive it, to live in it, to rejoice in it. And what a tremendous difference that makes in the lives of people. What a tremendous difference it is when the world is falling apart around everybody else for the unbelievers who are in a panic state to see the believers of God, the believers in Christ, living in that peace of God that passes all understanding, living out the fact that the joy of the Lord is our strength, having a smile on their face in times of trouble, having a light that is being reflected from their hearts in time of distress because that puts a conviction on the heart of those that don't have that reassurance, that don't have that hope, that don't have that meaning, that don't have that purpose. So when you who are the elect of God, you who are the chosen and the redeemed, are out and among your neighbors, are out within the community, and things are going harsh out there as we know they are. And yet they see you living a victorious life that tells them that Christ still makes a difference, that tells them that there is a God that loves them and will save them and will give them the same hope that they've given you, that tells them that Jesus Christ is alive. Because not only does He live, at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, ever making intercession for us. But as the Apostle Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, and yet I what? I live, but not me, but he who lives in me. For he who is within you is greater than he who is within the world. Christ is the victory. 
And once they see that, and once they experience that conviction, that's a powerful, powerful way of changing them, of drawing them to the believer, of filling up our churches through your conduct, your conversation, and your character. If you want to make a difference in this world, be a Christian in this world. Live the words that Peter tells us were in his first letter. He says, be always ready to give an account of the hope that is within you, and that hope has a name, and it is Christ. Philippians, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. Where is your peace? Where is your joy? You are the city on the hill. You are the light of this world. Be that peace in the awful circumstances. Be that joy in times of tribulation. Understand this fact that just as he lives today, we will also. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, say it with me. Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us some things, occasionally a thing, a blessing now and then? No, how then will he not give us all things? Who can bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns no one for Jesus Christ, who died more than that, who was raised to life? as at the right hand of God the Father and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all the day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No! The defiance in the heart of the Apostle Paul was so great that he lists all these travails. He lists all these hardships, these things that he himself has suffered. The persecution, the famine, the hunger, the pain, being shipwrecked, being thrown in prison, being beaten. And he's asking, is any of this going to separate you from the love of God? And with a fire of defiance that is the Holy Spirit in the face of this world, he says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who first loved us. This is the promise of God to you as evidenced through the resurrection of Christ. This is the end. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his Messiah. For the Satan, the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been cast hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of what? Their testimony, your testimony. You are both 
the agent of grace and the prized jewel in the crown of God. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shirk from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens and you who dwell within them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He will fill the earth with fury, because he knows that his time is short. The enemy knows he is conquered. The enemy knows his days are at an end. The day that Jesus arose from the grave, he knew his time was coming. So he started to ramp up, trying to steal as many jewels from the crown of God as he can. Which is why it's so important that we are a people of Easter. That we raise our voices constantly. That we live in that hope, peace, love, and joy that he provides. That we put that image of Christ on display so that others will see it, be convicted by it, and come to it. If you want to make a difference for the kingdom, live like you belong to the kingdom. When Paul says, rejoice in the law, all the, excuse me, rejoice in, that was the, the Pharisee Paul probably, but the Apostle Paul would say, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Do you know what kind of, a, what, what, you know what the Bible says about, or what the Bible calls a Christian like that? Normal! We are not meant to be a people who dwell in misery. We are not meant to be a people who exhibit weakness. We are not meant to be a people who shy away when our Savior comes under attack, when our churches come under attack, when the people of God come under attack. It is our job not to, not to be conformed to the ways of this world, but to change the world, to stand against the evil. To shine our light in the midst of the darkness and to proclaim to everyone who has an ear, let him hear on this day from this time forward from this very place that our Savior lives. Would you say amen? I'll leave you with this last testimony of Paul. Listen and I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In that moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet of the Lord will sound, the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. For that which is perishable must be clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, when the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Sting of death is sin. Power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. No financial hardship, no pandemic, no wisdom of the so-called common age.
Let nothing move you from your faith. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. But everything that you do, let everything that you do, whether in word or deed, be done as unto the Lord to the glory of God the Father. People of Christ, let this day be celebrated in your hearts, not just one day out of the year, but let the triumph of His resurrection ring and echo in every facet of who you are, in your conduct, in your conversation, in the depths and the shadows of your very character. Let His light be reflected in all that you do, knowing that no matter what you have been called to, that His strength and His wisdom and His guidance will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. That whatever you do, as long as you reflect that light, will be seen by those who are dwelling in darkness. And just as you, like a mirror, reflects His love to others, those others, like a moth to the flame, will come. Never tire of that. Let His joy be your strength. Let His wisdom be your guide. And let the certainty of our Heavenly Father's hope, the hope that was purchased for you on that cross so long ago, that hope that is now evidenced by the empty tomb, let it reign in you. Let it give you joy. Let it provide you with the comfort of peace, knowing always that no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, Christ that was hung on that cross, Christ that, is, that, that was resurrected from that tomb, is right now seated at the right-hand side of God and is praying forever for you. Christ has died, yes, but Christ is risen. And Christ will what? Come again. Rest in the joy and the peace that death has no power over you. The enemy has no claim to you. And where he is, there we will all, as long as we are in Christ, we will all also be. Celebrate it as long as ever you can. And all God's people said, Amen. And Heavenly Father, as we come to you at the end of the service of the Word, we ask that you would fill our hearts with that joy. That wherever we are, whatever we're engaged in doing, whatever we've been called to do, Lord, that others would see you in us. That you would continue to refine us, to sculpt us, and to conform us to the image of your Son, that we might be as complete in his reflection as we can. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for the hope of everlasting life. Thank you for the assurance that those precious ones that we have have lost. We know that they're not lost. We know they're in your arms. And we know that we'll see them again. Help us always to live in the joy that that provides. And for any that has yet to know that joy, who doesn't have that certainty, 
for anyone that has lost a sense of your peace. Lord, draw them now as we enter into this time of invitation. If there is a need present on any heart, a burden that is hard to bear on any soul, Lord, bring them now to your table where they may receive the warmth of your embrace. And join us together as not just a congregation, not just as an organization, but as your family. May our hearts beat forever for each other and for you. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Let the people of God say amen. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from High Lawn Baptist Church. If you'd like to learn more about High Lawn Baptist Church or donate to our ongoing ministry, you can do so online at highlawnbaptistchurch.org. We believe that when you love God, you share His Word, and when you love others, you spread the gospel. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that you'll join us again next time. Once again, thank you for listening.